Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From Los Angeles, California, on Radio Row and across the Outkick Network, this is the Outkick 360 Championship Special with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Two organizations that could not be more opposite meet to determine the winner of Super Bowl 56. On Sunday at 6.30 Eastern, the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that recently won their first playoff game in 31 years, can hoist the Lombardi Trophy. They'll face the Los Angeles Rams, who are all in to bring a title to the bright lights of Hollywood. From Radio Row in Los Angeles, we welcome you to the Outkick 360 Super Bowl special across the Outkick Network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, and over the next hour, a primer to get you ready for kickoff of the big game. Coming up, Albert Breer of the MMQB. But first, big questions leading up to this kickoff. And guys, let's start with the Bengals. They remain the underdog, but they've continued to win to get here. What if they win on Sunday? It's clear they have not peaked, not even close. With Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on rookie contracts, an offensive line that's going to be overhauled this offseason, what's the potential for this group between now and 2024? I think the expectations should be the same as when Kansas City won a couple years ago against the 49ers uh, in that Super Bowl. I I think really the only difference is that Kansas City rise we saw the year before where they lost the Patriots in the playoffs in a home game. And so there was a little bit more body of work where they were, you know, they had the, the playoff experience before. The Cincinnati story is just so out of nowhere. In year two for Burrow, they go from terrible to Super Bowl in one year. So does that lessen some of the expectations for where the franchise could go? Uh, could it be a dynasty the way we were talking about? Hey, Kansas City's going to have a chance at a dynasty. It hasn't delivered on that so far. They've been obviously relevant every year, but I really think the expectation should be near Kansas City level if they're able to win the Super Bowl in year two for Joe Burrow. I think we have this conversation, and anytime somebody wins, we're presuming a, Kansas, a Cincinnati win here. We have this conversation every time a team breaks through and wins. Seattle won, right, with Russell Wilson, and they were destined to win a couple. Now, they didn't win when they called a bad play at the goal Should line have won two in a row. and turned Malcolm Butler into a hero, but then they disappeared. And they, they, they didn't win. The greatest show on turf was a team that had to win more than one. I've been part of electing a bunch of guys from that team to the Hall of Fame. And they only got but, one. I, there's a but here. They had to go through Brady, both of those teams you're talking about, to win more than one. Right. And to me, the Bengals are the Buffalo Bills, except they've already they, they beat Kansas City at Arrowhead. The Bills have not done that. And here's Cincinnati not being mentioned in the same conversation as the, the next big team. I think we all look to Buffalo to be the next, Cincinnati, or the next Kansas City. But to me, the Bengals, if you say they're actually a year ahead, if you agree, and I think, Paul, you do, 
if that's true and they address their offensive line issues, they can absolutely be the team to go through. They could. But, I mean, the, the, the Bears, 85 Bears were supposed to be the team to go through. Historically, the, the odds are you don't turn into the dynasty as opposed to well, you do. again, not dynasty, but the team you have to Multiple go through. Multiple winner, yeah. Kansas City's still that team. Yeah, but if Cincinnati, after going through them to win the Super, I mean, they're absolutely in that conversation immediately. Oh, absolutely, for me. and they and they they you know you would expect them to win a couple in uh, the Burrow era, but again, like I, you you expected that from from Favre, you expected it from Rodgers, and it has, it hasn't happened. But the difference is Favre and Rodgers are the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. We're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, the lowly who, Bengals. Who three weeks ago hadn't won since the '80s in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, he's th- this is certainly the start. Uh, never set the Super Bowl wins right. aside. Certainly the start of what should be a glory era for well, the Cincinnati Bengals being in contention. Here's how I would equate it. You knew that Peyton Manning was going to have to go through Tom Brady and the Patriots to win a Super Bowl with Indianapolis. It took him till 2006. That season, that breakthrough down 21-3, to comes from behind, beats the Patriots, goes on, beats the Bears in the Super Bowl. You knew coming into this season, we've said it all year, it goes through KC until proven otherwise. Burrow's done that in year two already. He went to Arrowhead, won. If they go and win the Super Bowl, who do you have to go through in the AFC now. Josh Allen hasn't done it yet. As great as Josh Allen is. Um, you, uh, the difference to me is it's not just Brady. It's this three-headed monster now of roster set up to be great for a, a while. You think. Yeah. Things change quickly. But it's not just the Patriots and it's not just Peyton Manning trying to get over the hump and beat Tom Brady. It's Burrow's already done it. Mahomes has reached the mountaintop. Burrow has a chance now to do it. Josh Allen hasn't done it, and those are the three front runners. and it's this spinning wheel every year of, well, who's the team to beat now? That's the difference, but to me, the expectation is what the expectation was for Mahomes. Win multiple Super Bowls. Mahomes yeah. hasn't done it yet, but if they win this year, I- I'm expecting Cincinnati not just to win one with Joe Burrow. I also think there are more factors. Like, I don't know that it's going to be through the same team every year. You know, How well does Josh McDaniels do with the Raiders and how tough right. does Kansas City's division get? How does Mac Jones develop in New England and what does that do to, to the Bills? How, who does Pittsburgh find to replace Ben Roethlisberger and how much does, uh, does Pittsburgh become a factor or how much do they bottom out as Cincinnati tries to, to – who has the easiest path? Who wins home field advantage – not that that was a factor this time around, but all of these things in their independent divisions become factors in their paths to easier, quote unquote, easier paths to get to the championship. Speaking of paths, uh, vastly different paths comparing the Bengals to the Rams. With the way the Rams have approached this season, the, I call it chips in the middle of the table, the all-in approach where they've bypassed draft picks for veterans, the go-for-it mentality. If they win over Cincinnati, do you guys think it changes the in the copycat league the approach to the draft? Are we overvaluing draft picks after year after year being told that draft capital is, is so much more valuable than the free agent market? I think it should change it 
more, but I think there's a second stage to it. I, I think you should look at it and say, you know what? This veteran could really help us. He's available and he's worth the picks. Now the next stage is I got to finagle the cap like these teams have finagled the cap. And so there's a, there's such a uh, institutional value on the draft picks. Does that start to change? I think yes. There's also this institutional fear, not everywhere, of dealing with the cap and the cap and pushing numbers back on the cap and looking at your cap two years from now and being really scared of what your cap looks from two years from now. You also have to get past that and understand, yeah, it's going to be bad and we're going to have to manipulate it and there's going to have to be some, uh, some, some dread and some reckoning and all of that. You get to stage two. You say, we're throwing it all in and we're going to create a window for ourselves here and we'll reckon. Saints have seemed to reckon and they've been on that list and they're not at a point now where all is lost. There's, there are things they have to deal with and teams are dealing with those things. So it's a two-pronged attack to me. But if the Rams win this, they show you can do it. And I don't think you're going to say, uh, two years from now, the Rams are going to be absolutely terrible. Or if they are, what uh, I know maybe, maybe, I, I can't imagine that GMs and coaches don't think like fans and say, if I could win one this year, I'll take whatever the consequences are two years from now. So this is going to sound crazy, what I say. So bear with me okay. here. Um, the NFL overvalues first-round picks. And, and here's what I mean by that. If you are a GM who's been at all successful drafting in the first round, you should build your team to the point where you can pull off a Rams situation and go for it, and mortgage a little bit of the future with first-round picks because you've done well with a couple first-round picks, and the great teams, they do well rounds two through five. Cooper Cup's not a first-round pick is a great example. Um, We're here in Nashville. Titans have not been good in the first round. They've been good with A.J. Brown in the second round. They've been good with Kevin Byard in the third round, so on and so forth. So they've made hay in the later rounds, in the mid-rounds. If you've done that, then I think some GMs will then overvalue future first-round picks. When you get to the precipice of greatness, I think teams can overvalue first-round picks. And, and that's what the Rams have shown. That's what I think other GMs should show, that it's okay to give away a couple of first-round picks in the future if you feel like you can make a move to get someone to get you to the Super Bowl immediately because you've done well in the middle rounds. But I think, you know, one hand goes in front of the other. You got to have a couple successful first round picks as you're building. Then you got to do really well in the middle rounds. And then once you get to that point, teams can overvalue first round picks in the future. And I don't think they should. And I think the Rams are showing the route to how you can win quickly by not caring as much about those first round picks. My, in thinking about this, my answer is it, I think we will see more copycats to the Rams for the halves but not the have-nots. Like Cincinnati, they're on this run, and it's perfect for their organization because, again, they've got the rookie contract for both their quarterback and their star wide receiver. The Rams and their ownership are willing to spend big-time money. They're in the, the spotlight and the bright lights of Hollywood. They need a winner as they open up their stadium to fans for the first time. So they're all in, and they've got the coach that has the job security to make the trade that he did dealing the quarterback that got him to his first Super Bowl in exchange for a guy that can actually win him one. 
I don't know if every organization can follow suit based on the money and the expense of making that happen with the top veteran contracts. But, I mean, I'm thinking of Dallas, Miami, some of the, the spotlight franchises. Absolutely, they can follow suit to what the Rams have done. Yeah, one connection to what you just said there, how liquid are you? Yeah, yeah. If you've got all those veteran contracts, you're paying a lot more liquid right now than you are Money out if, now, if you have a future. regular spreadsheet where you have this many veterans who are expensive right now, you have this many middling guys, you have this many rookie contracts that you're counting on. As we look at both of these teams, does it change your, your mindset on how to go about winning a Super Bowl? No. Um, I think... When I look at the makeup of the teams, doesn't change my mindset on what you need in order to win a Super Bowl. Uh, when I look at the routes they went to get there, much like the previous question with the Rams, changes my thinking on that. Um, you know, the one thing I'll throw out is clear-cut, really good to great quarterback, and truly great wide receiver option number one. Uh, I think Cincinnati has that with Burrow and Chase. And I know the Rams have that with Stafford and Cup right now. I think that, that's one that I look for with this matchup that it shows me that I'll, you look for with every team. HUD, you brought up the point earlier in comparison with the Titans. You know, it was always quarterback receiver with every team, and then the Titans were the one outlier with yep. the running back. You thought of first. Yep. But I really look at that now with both these teams. I think more playmakers can't have enough playmakers. You say that now the way you used to say it and still say it about pass rushers, about corners, um, can't have enough playmakers. And the quarterback, you know, it's become popular in some of the analytics community to call sacks a quarterback stat. And I think that is becoming truer. Not that terrible pass protection is on the quarterback, but that a quarterback, look at what Burrow did from – the Titans playoff game where he got sacked nine times to the Kansas City playoff game where he got sacked once. Did they make adjustments and play better? Yeah. Did Joe Burrow do a hell of a lot to avoid getting sacked? Yes. And then I thought Willie Anderson posed it very smartly to us. There are going to be 15 to 17 plays where he gets good pass protection. What does he do with those 15 to 17 plays? If he's great on those 15 to 17 plays, guess what? You can win a Super Bowl on those 15 to 17 plays. So are we overvaluing having a great offensive line as long as he's not getting killed? Maybe. The reason I asked right, this Because question. they chose the weapon over the protection, and every single one of us thinks they made the right move in Jamar Case, Chase over Panay Sewell. Here is where the weapons are overlooked. Both of these teams drafted their kicker in the fifth round. And both of these teams... Are in the they're in the Super Bowl on kicks. You're absolutely right. A lot of times, teams just brush that position under the rug and they go with the hot hand and they'll rotate through three or four kickers if they have to to get through the season. These teams invested in that position for points on the board, and those points are the difference in why they're playing for the Lombardi. They have trophy. no doubt about sending the guy out there. None from 55, from 53, from whatever. McPherson. It, I mean, he was drafted in the fifth round last year, and he is 12 for 12 in the postseason. Adam Vinatieri is the only kicker uh, that is ahead of him in field goal makes for a playoff run. He had 14 kicks made in 2006. This guy can break that record on Sunday. And then you have Matt Gay, who's also good from you know long distance, 
He's missed two this postseason, but he's good from long distance throughout the year. To, that's where the mentality for me has changed. I'm more willing to invest in the kicker and the leg with a surefire guy who's going to be good from 50-plus than the teams that are just struggling to find points and make extra points. It's a great point because that is a position that's now at a premium. You know, for years we thought, man, they're, they're, if you get one of those jobs, you're in it for life. There are 32 great kickers, and they're all kind of the same. You know, a couple may rise above the rest. But now we're in a situation where to find a uh, mentality like Evan McPherson that's fearless and cocky as a, as a kicker, that's rare. Stay tuned as Outkick 360 special continues. Albert Breer of the MMQB stops by and we'll preview matchups for the Rams and Bengals. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 is the agenda-free sports talk show for true sports fans. Interact and give your take on the biggest sports headlines. Follow the show at Outkick 360. Glad to be a part of your football week previewing Super Bowl 56. This is Outkick 360, heard weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, noon to 3 Pacific on the Outkick Radio Network and at Outkick.com. Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined by Albert Breer of the MMQB. Albert, there are plenty of storylines to choose from with this Rams and Bengals matchup. To you, what's the biggest headline of the week? I I mean, I think that I, I got a number one for each team. How about that? Okay. I think number one for me on the Rams side is obviously the all-in approach and how aggressive they were and they've done things differently. And so, you know, like the opportunity for Odell Beckham to, to, to get on that stage, for Matthew Stafford to be on that stage. Um, you know, and guys that I don't know that we'd ever seen as, I, I guess, like, like quote-unquote winners, right? Like now those guys will get an opportunity because of this approach that Rams have taken to climb on that stage and show us that they are. Um, you know, then I think that the, on the other end of it with the Bengals, there's just no question, you know, what Joe, Joe Burrow's meant there. And, you know, I... <laughs> We just talk, got done talking about Brady. I think Burrow is the closest thing to Brady stylistically and just from an intangible standpoint that we've seen come in the league since Brady was a young player. And, um, you know, I, I think what's so interesting about him, and you guys are in Nashville, right, so you guys saw it. Like a couple of weeks ago, he, I think this is the best example of a couple of weeks ago against the Titans, gets sacked nine times, got the crap kicked out of him. And a lot of times in those sorts of situations, a young quarterback will crumble. He'll start seeing ghosts. He'll get hurried up. He'll put the ball in the other team's hands. And you saw none of that from him. Like he was, I mean, from from start to finish of that, 
game was the same guy, despite getting knocked around the way that he got knocked around. And so, um, you know, like I think seeing that guy and seeing a guy who, no matter what you do to him, is uh, is going to be standing there at the end swinging. Um, I guess a team that I think most people would agree is probably a little more talented than his. I think is going to be fascinating, and I give the Bengals more than a puncher's chance. I think that they can beat the Rams. The hand of Sean McVay is a powerful thing, and this is the ultimate testament to that with this coaching matchup in this game. How big is Zach Taylor versus Sean McVay for the future of the Sean McVay coaching tree? Well, I mean, they, they win either way, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy to think, but like the last three teams that were alive that are standing there after the AFC title game, it's a guy that Sean worked for, um, in Kyle, Sean himself, and then a guy that worked for Sean in LA. Um, you know, and so I, I think, you know, it's, I, I think what it is, like more than anything else with that tree, um, those guys are all grinders. Those guys are all, I think, pretty smart. Um, and those guys all have an idea how to connect with young players. And, you know, I just think that there's sort of a mold. Um, that Mike Shanahan looked for um, in, in, in all young coaches and like being very, very detail-oriented and understanding the ins and outs of everything on both sides of the ball, being able to see the game globally. And, you know, you see sort of how that's evolved in the, like Kyle now helping some young guys come, come up and come through. Um, you know, you look at like an Arthur Smith who sort of got a crash course on how to do that and working with Matt LaFleur and now I think he's like a really promising young head coach there in, um, in Atlanta. So I, I think the tentacles of the, the McVay-Shanahan tree are going to keep growing. And uh, there's no question. I mean, like you look back a couple of years and all the jokes, friends of McVay and everything else, it was funny at the time. Uh, doesn't look so funny anymore. <laughs> you know, it looks like it's actually, it actually, it, it, it looks like a pretty viable blueprint for teams that are looking for coaches. He's Albert Breer of the MMQB. From a longtime reporter to one of the best defensive line coaches in the NFL, Mike Waffle recently retired, but across his career, he worked with Al Davis, Coach Michael Strahan, stood on the table for Rams defensive lineman and, at the time, draft selection Aaron Donald. He's the player the Bengals have to game plan for in this matchup. Coach Waffle, thanks for the time. I'll let you tell the story. But the Rams are hosting Aaron Donald on his official visit going into the draft, and you're showing him around the facility. And you walk into the room with the scouts and coaches, and you let everyone know the draft pick is in the building. You have to back up a little bit because, because uh, when first the first scout that read uh, Aaron's report basically said he was too small. And, oh. you know, and so uh, then it was, the, you know, that was the day of the defensive, ta- uh, defensive tackles, you know, and so... Uh, I asked Leslie. I said, "Can I have five minutes by myself?" And what I did is I took um, uh, I took two at Hageman and then Michael Brockers, who we drafted in 2012. And it was amazing the statistics between Hageman and Tuit and Brockers were exactly the same. I mean, as far as height, speed, everything, size, arm length, everything. And it was really interesting. So I I was sucking them in, you know, with the three of those comparisons. Okay, and then I I had I had Aaron's uh, name tag. Down in my pocket and I took it out of my pocket in my you know foot and a half uh, vertical jump I jumped up as high as I could and threw it up on top of the board with the defensive tackles and it was above Clowney's name 
And I said, this is the best player on the board right here. And that started it. And uh, so when Aaron came in, um, I did do that. I was kind of, you know, that's kind of a, you know, that was a veteran move on my part. (laughs) You know, you wouldn't do that. I've been in the league a while. But it it did open the, you know, the door and came in with Aaron. But the funny part is I'm six foot four and I squatted down and I had my arm around Aaron and we were the same height as I walked in together (laughs) with him. And I basically said, hey, this is the best player in the draft right here. And as I tell the story, and, you know, I just, you know, and I had been selling them forever. Uh, Aaron said, as he goes, all I can see is Johnny Menzel's name. Uh, I'm picturing name up on the, on the screen, you know, and he goes, that's what I was looking at the whole time in the draft room. But it was, it was, it was, it was a good, neat moment, neat moment. You can do that when you've had some time in the game. You can also do that when you're a six foot four Marine. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you can basically do it. Coach, you can do whatever you want when, when, that, when that happens to be the case. Man. Hey, you, those Marines, the Marines kicked those doors in. I know that. <laughs> that was a great call, too. I mean, look at the dominance yeah. of Aaron Donald. Um, you, you always had a great eye for talent and traits. What, what was the makeup of Aaron Donald at Pitt that, that you knew he was going to be this guy in the pros? Well, I, you know, I got my master's in exercise physiology, and, and I, that's why I always just stayed with the defensive line because I was always intrigued by the physical part of the game and being able to help players that way. But I mean, it was a, to me, it was a no-brainer because he was at Pitt. He's the ACC Player of the Year. He got the Bronco Nagurski Trophy, the Chuck Benaric Award, the Lombardi Award, the Outland Trophy, and unanimous All-American. You know, and I watched '97 and every one of his games, and you could see it. I mean, he, it was it was not it was no mystery, you know, to me. And uh, I remember Al Davis said this. He goes, oh, "Michael." Football players are football players. They get sacks in college. They get sacks in the NFL. And, um, and you know, I just always believed that about Aaron, that, that he would have success. And, and, and being able to play him uh, like John Randall, uh, you know, the, on the edge of the guard and playing the three technique would be a good spot for him. He seems to really have been at the forefront of uh... – I mean, it seems obvious now, but that, that it's much more direct to, to get to the quarterback going up the middle. It takes a little bit longer coming from the edge and that people have, have tried now to find guys that help them to, to be more direct and close the pocket from the inside. Uh, you consider him a bit of a revolutionary, maybe a little bit strong, but has he changed the game? Well, uh, you know, the thing about Aaron is that you know, remember Rocky and Drago, the you know the big Russian, and when he punched uh, that measuring device that you know pounds per square inch of power. You know, power is force times velocity in a physical lab, but but Aaron Donald has strength times speed, which is force times velocity beyond your wildest dreams. It's a gift, and uh, but on the flip side, he has 34 inch arms. He has very long arms. You know, so you know he may be short, but his arm length you know allows him to get separation from blockers. Um, you know, we've continually worked, and I, I moved from L.A. back up to our North Bay Area house a, a year ago. But, when, you know, from the time I retired, we still worked together, you know, and, and, and did stuff in my backyard and things. And, uh, you know, the, the rush plans that he has, he's like a martial art. And he's probably the one guy that I've coached and I several pro bowlers, okay, and, you know, and, and from Michael Strahan talking OCU and the list goes on. Uh, but the thing, that, the thing about Aaron to me, he, he understands and studies the game 
more than any of those guys and more than anybody in the league, unless he's a quarterback, you know, if he's like, he's, he's, you know, I was talking to him the other night in our weekly conversation and it's quarter to seven in, in the evening, you know, on, on a Wednesday night. And, you know, he's, he's in that facility working and, but he really understands the physical aspect, but not only understands it, can apply it. And that's what's, that's what he does. And it, there's, there's certain things he does on the left side, when he's at the, on the guard and there's certain things he does when he's on the right side, when he's on the guard. And then he knows how to match up the blockers. So you mentioned your masters in exercise physiology. Uh, you talked about arm length. You know, there's talk now of hand size with quarterbacks. And I feel like every coach has something maybe they value a little bit more uh, physically when, when looking at a prospect. Was there something that would go to the top of that board for you? When looking at defensive linemen, that you would always make note of physically about them. Yeah, speed was number one. I did the D line drills for most of my career. You know, I was in the NFL for twenty years and in the combine, and uh, I always was down there. And when they were doing the uh, <clears throat> the forties, I always stood ten yard at the ten yard mark. Okay, I always timed them in the ten yard mark. And uh, Aaron ran like one five six on my watch, and that get off. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's that's DB type stuff, you know. At that size, and 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 uh, number one thing that uh, you know, I learned from Mr. Davis. He was probably the best personnel evaluator that I was ever around. And um, and Mr. Davis, you know, said you know, speed wins in the NFL, and th- and that's so true, and it, and it is, and and that was one of his greatest assets. Our thanks to longtime defensive line coach and Marine Mike Waffle. The show goes on from Los Angeles on the Outkick Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No one covers the NFL like OutKick with John McClain's five decades of NFL experience and Armando Salguero's league-wide knowledge. Break down the top NFL headlines with both on OutKick 360. OutKick 360's playoff special rolls on. We are broadcasting on Radio Row at Super Bowl 56. Bengals and Rams. I know we're in Los Angeles, but feels like most of America is rooting for the Bengals. Oh, for sure. I I am. Count me among them. I'm not just rooting for them. I think they're going to win. I I reserve the right to change my judgment uh, upon a little bit more study this week. Um, But we have not seen them play their best. Yeah. We were talking about this at dinner last night, and I, I think you're dead on there. I mean, they've played well enough, obviously, to beat very good teams. 
but they've not put it all together. We've not seen them uh, uh, air it out the Still, way they, they can air right. it out. You know, Jamar Chase. We haven't seen Jamar Chase at that pace that he was on in November and December in, these, in this postseason. The explosive plays have not been there with the same consistency. Yeah, I mean, they won a close one against the Raiders. Uh, they, they go to Nashville. And they win a game where they don't play well offensively. Right. Uh, you know, giving up all those sacks in that game. And they, they find a way because of the Titans and Ryan Tannehill's ineptitude, really, with the three interceptions. It's how they win a close game in that one. They fall behind 21-3. to In Kansas City, offense isn't getting anything done. Kansas City's doing whatever they want offensively. And then, boom, second half comes, and nothing happens offensively for Kansas City. The defense was great. But it's really kind of been a seesaw type performance so far for Cincinnati, for sure. but here they sit in the Super Bowl. That said, it's Which a, is encouraging, it, by the way, yes. if you're Cincinnati and a Cincinnati fan, that they haven't been great yet. That said, it's a game where stars typically shine, and uh, the Rams have more of them. I mean, Aaron Donald is the guy. He, he maybe is the most generational player outside of quarterback, quarterback of anybody we've watched play in the last 15, maybe 20 years. Jalen Ramsey's universally hailed as the best cornerback in, yeah. the, in the game. Uh, Cooper Cup, we've talked about, you know, doesn't look like he should be the best receiver in the game, but may well be. I'm not talking in this game. I'm talking in the NFL right now. Just well, nonstop then, production well, then out of The most of him. popular player is not even on that list yet, and Odell Beckham Jr., yeah, across the country, and, he's Matthew, the and, and Matthew Stafford's the guy they traded for to make this whole thing happen and to elevate it to a different yeah. level. We just listed four really, really good players. Let's at, talk about Odell the, Beckham Jr. Yeah, I mean, he just meant. Uh, yeah, but going off of that, they acquire him in November. Uh, he's been a star in the postseason. It took a little I mean, time to ramp up, and coming into the season, we knew this was Stafford's chance to cement himself as a great quarterback a great quarterback who was with a terrible franchise for over a decade, and then uh, the addition of Odell Beckham Jr., unhappy in Cleveland. Think about all the teams out there that you thought about for Odell Beckham Jr. and all the fans and everyone saying, oh, he's a cancer. He could have gone two he can't ways. can't get it done. You know, this is, he's never going to be good again. And here is Odell Beckham Jr. preparing for a Super Bowl where he's been a star in the postseason. I mean, this has been a reversal, not completely, but I think this will help reverse the stigma around Odell Beckham Jr. being a malcontent if he can continue this play and help the Rams win a Super Bowl. Absolutely, and, and Robert Woods went down right as he arrived. Imagine if they hadn't gotten him and suffered that injury, or imagine if they hadn't suffered that injury and they had all of them. Uh, this team could be even, even better. But this, this game is stacked with some quality receivers. Van Jefferson's a pretty good receiver, too, as a three on the Rams' side. You're talking about Boyd as a three on the Bengals' side. you got six receivers in this game who are quality, quality players. We're talking about the league turning into a, uh, a playmaker's league. We haven't even gotten to the tight ends yet, and, and we're talking about six really good options for two really good quarterbacks to throw to. 2.8 yards per carry so far in the playoffs for the Rams. Not a good rushing attack, not a good running team. But you mentioned Robert Woods, Paul. Robert Woods made the Rams look a little bit more like the 49ers. He's not Debo Samuel in the run game, but he could elevate their run game when they gave him the ball to the backfield or on end-around sweeps. That was a big facet of their rushing attack for the Rams that's no longer there, and yet here sits the Rams because Odell Beckham Jr. improves his play. So um, I really think you could, you know, the, the Rams have been better 
Uh, but you could argue we haven't seen the best from either one of these teams yet. Well, I think in the, stretches we have. The difference maker in this game could be Sony Michelle because he had 550 yards over the final six games of the regular season. And over the final six games, five of those six games, he had 74 or more yards rushing. Now, they haven't done that in the postseason, but there were flashes of that towards the end of the regular season, much like, you know, I was saying we haven't seen Jamar Chase in the postseason. We haven't seen Sonny Michelle either. Um, and, and they've got some other options as well. But the, uh, the run game for both teams is the X factor in this matchup. Yeah. Uh, Akers, obviously, is the, uh, has had some moments, and Mixon is is a, is a stud. The Bengals uh, have 70 carries for just 275 yards in three games in the postseason. Well, and it's definitely about not seeing their best yet. You look at the success rate running the ball early downs, first down for both these teams. It's not good, but there is an element to this that if either team can get something done, yep. more than they've done so far in the postseason, you got to feel good about their chances offensively. I mean, look obviously these two teams want to go to their quarterback and receivers first, both of them. But there's – I wouldn't call it stubborn. And, Paul, I know you hate this when teams are stubborn about the run and trying to get it going. But if either one of these teams can do anything on early down situations running the football, it's going to be a huge benefit. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of it's about uh, control. But then again, you know, every time we talk about control – Look, I'm in favor of the control thing, too, but I'm a big fan of a one-play, 85-yard drive. Uh, and if, if you get one or two of those, uh, you, you, you see, you know, you make the time of possession and all of that, you can make it moot uh, if you get the right big play at the right time. And we know we've got two teams here that are very capable of, of big plays. We've seen them make them on their paths here. And that's why this game, uh, though it maybe lacks – glamour in terms of recent history and all that holds such intrigue uh, there are a lot of playmakers and it's the way the direction the league's going this game is very reflective of the way the league is going and everybody who's sitting home without a rooting interest in one of these two teams is thinking somewhat about their own team and how it measures oh. up in terms of playmakers to these two teams and cashing in on the on the moments and the opportunity you know, we can tie it in, you know, the, the Titans are one. We can tie it in with Kansas City, who had a chance to make it to three consecutive uh, Super Bowls. Buffalo and, missing it and, by and a And you hair. think about, you know, the teams that have done that and, you know, exactly, Buffalo missing it. But going back to the the, four, the the stretch of games and Super Bowls with in their history and how they didn't cash in, that's how you're remembered. You know, you've got these dynasty-type teams that Kansas City was about to join. What did you do in your era? Right. And meanwhile, Cincinnati, we, we feel like is a year ahead of where maybe we thought they would be. You know, they compete for the division. I didn't pick them to win the division. And not only do they go and win it, they went on the road at Pittsburgh. They went on the road at Baltimore. And then they go and win on the road against the number one and number two seeds in the playoffs. And they're in the Super Bowl with a chance to, to win the Lombardi Trophy. I, I, I'm curious about, you know, the winner of this game setting a precedent for what other teams can follow. You know, if the Rams win, the going for broke, giving up a bunch of draft picks, going to get a quarterback with a good team, winning a Super Bowl in year one, how big is the group that inspires? You know, is it three or four teams that feel like they're in a position where they could do something like that and actually go for it and sacrifice draft picks? And on the flip side, you know, Cincinnati, if they win, of course they do with the number one overall pick and Joe Burrow leading the way, but Jamar Chase... You know, look at those early picks. Does it inspire 
a race to be a have or a have not, right? Cincinnati wins. The inspiration would be, I want to be the team that's bad, that can get all the draft picks for one player or two players that's really good on my team that's struggling and become Cincinnati. On the flip side, if you're a team that's winning a playoff game or getting the playoffs consistently but can't get over the hump because you need that quarterback, does it inspire another group of copycats that decide to go for broke and get that quarterback while giving up a bunch of draft capital? I think there are some teams uh, you know, who are undecided about what they want to be that will teeter there. Here's one thing that I'm just thinking while we're talking about this. You know, the famous Herb Brooks speech after the Miracle on Ice team beat the Russians in the semifinal, telling that team, if you don't win this gold medal game, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. I feel a little bit. Listen, I'm not saying that the Rams players don't have the same feeling that the Bengals players do about the opportunity ahead of them. But the way you just laid it out, Hut, about what Cincinnati's just done in terms of beating one and two on the road to get here, I feel like, this is my stance, you tell me what you think. I feel like for Cincinnati, the player opportunity is enormous, like that Herb Brooks speech. Like, you've done all this. If you get here and you don't win it, you've blown this golden, golden opportunity. For the Rams, I feel almost like it's more front office story and an approach. We've done all this. And we got all these pieces, and if we get here, and if we don't do it, we've blown this go-for-it plan. One of them, it's the players with the chance, and the other one, not that it's not the players, but it's this front office approach that has the chance. I still think the urgency part of it, you know, you've blown this chance to your Herb Brooks analogy, it goes to the Rams, uh, simply because Joe Burrow's in year two. Right. And, you know, it feels like he's going to get back. Now, I will say this, Dan Marino, in year one or two, went to the Super Bowl and never went back. So for everyone that thinks this is going to be something regular, that Burrow's going to be in the mix, Cautionary and going to AFC Championship games, I point you to Dan Marino and say, nothing is a given. And this could be his one shot at winning the Super Bowl also. I don't think it will be, but it's possible. And we've seen an all-time great Marino suffer that fate. I think that the, the haves and the have-nots is an interesting way to look at this because I don't think the winner of this game determines how certain teams will see the their their outlook change because i think that's based on ownership and whether or not that owner is willing to pony up the money yeah cincinnati's winning this is how they have to win rookie contracts they notorious for being cheap when i say cheap cheaper than the rich who are willing like the rams the cowboys miami uh new england to some extent as you try to kick, kick the can down the road washington i think there are certain owners that can follow what the rams are doing the, the Browns are not one of them. Browns being Cincinnati ownership are not one of them. They're, they're, they're taking in the reward of having a rookie quarterback on a rookie salary for the next three years at least. Same goes for Jamar Chase. Second-year quarterback on his rookie contract. They're not yeah. paying crap to their offensive line, and it shows. Um, you know, those are former draft picks at left tackle. I mean, they're going to have money to invest. But do we actually see the Bengals going all in, chips on the table, for the first time in the history of their franchise? No, but, I don't. But if they win this Super Bowl, they'll actually be more equipped to be a little bit more Rams-like, right? Because they've got a lot of cap money. Well, they've got a lot of cap yeah. money. They'll become a more attractive destination. The money rule, rules all in they'll, that regard. If they want to go get the best left tackle on the market, as right, a, but that's because not they're low in the draft. They that's can, not Rams-like. Rams-like is bringing in trading. a receiver to pair with the receiver in the yeah. top-tier cornerback. Right, it's above and, you're, and beyond. You're trading away picks to get those guys. The Bengals aren't going to do that. They, they value the picks 
because they're much less expensive, much more expensive to go the other way where you trade your picks yeah. for the salary. It's a spreadsheet choice. It's a spreadsheet choice and a and, and both a cap can win. choice. It's both a, it's, can a win it's a now versus get, future choice too. As long as you get the right quarterback, the, the Browns now the team have been searching for the Burrow for how many years? Oh, I mean, they've gone through 21, 22 quarterbacks yeah, now. since Carson Palmer. I, I think if you had a choice, I mean, if you give anybody a choice of which way you want to do it, you want to do it the Bengals' way. You also have to have a lot yes. of job security and be very confident in your place and job security to do this, what the Rams are doing, because it is very much a well, mortgaging the future for the now and giving up a bunch of draft picks, knowing that you got to talk to your ownership. You know, if you're their front office or you're Sean McVay and saying, look, we may be pretty light. A couple years from now, three years from now, if we do this, but we got to be all in. We have to make the agreement right now. We are going all in now and understand eventually we're going to have to pay the piper for a season or two, possibly, yeah. with all these draft picks being given up. And if you're okay with that and you're confident enough that, or you're not scared of getting fired, right. if you're Sean McVay, that's a big part of it. Because I understand the temptation. Talk about the Titans with John Robinson. I understand the temptation of going to the playoffs every year. I don't think the team's going to completely fall off the face of the earth. Safe and sound. Let's keep some draft picks. Let's not go for everything right now because I've got a good job and we can continue to win like this for a while versus the if I do this and it doesn't work and you don't win playoff games, you don't go to a Super Bowl, and then a couple years you're bad, one of the worst teams in the league, am I losing my job? And if that's what motivates you, which having a job motivates everyone, then it's one way. It's one thing you got to factor in if you're going to make that move. Well, we saw it happen to John Gruden, really. I mean, he was part of the trade to to get everything in in Tampa Bay. A couple of years a couple of years later, he it pretty pretty quickly. And I, I, I've been considering a lot of those guys in the Hall of Fame vote. Right. You know, another one of them is a finalist this year, Rondé Barber, who we'll find out about in a couple nights. But. They, they kind of went for it with, with the coaching move to get Gruden there, who they thought could throw them over the top when Dungy didn't, got the championship. But a couple of years later, they stunk, and guess what? He was out. Now, do you take that trade off? I think a lot of fans say that, too. You know, I've got this well, all 22 with the Titans, and they say, we would take a championship this year in exchange for five years of barren wilderness, no problem. And I think but guess what? In the fourth year of that barren wilderness, they're not talking the same. We hope you enjoy Super Bowl 56. You can recap the big game with us on Monday, starting at 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, streaming live on social media at OutKick360 and available on podcasts wherever you download your audio, including OutKick.com. Enjoy the game, Rams and Bengals in Super Bowl 56.